stretch your hands toward Kristen. I felt like we were supposed to do this. I know we, we goofed off about it before practice. Today is her birthday, but the Lord said that he wants to give you a father blessing today. And the father releases protection. He releases inheritance. He releases identity. And so I felt like the Lord wanted to give you a special birthday today. I don't know what all that means. This may be a journey, but he told me that specifically. So if you just stretch your hands. Father, we thank you for Kristen. We thank you for her life. We thank you for what you've done in her, what you're doing in her, the generational blessing that's upon her family that's going to go on and continue. We thank you for that. And God, we just ask you do something special for her today. We ask that you release the Father's blessing over her right now, the Father's song over her right now. <laughs> and I ask that you would release into her the things that she feels like she's been lacking but have been there. I ask that you would open her eyes to them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Oh, it's great to see you. I, I want to do this. If you don't, how many listen to podcasts? Anybody listen to podcasts? This is the easiest way to spend your day. Put your earphones in and you can listen to music, play podcasts. I, I want to put a plug in for last Sunday. If you were not here, I want you to go back and listen to it. The title of the sermon was Jesus is not safe, but he is good. And the message is about the journey of walking through the sword because the word of God is a sword and it cuts us. And the journey with Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it. And so this whole sermon is about that, that, that the lion, this great lion of the tribe of Judah is not safe. I can't say this, this line without it messing with me. The great lion of the tribe of Judah is not safe, but he is good. And that's our king, and he lives inside of us. And this, you're going to go through ups and downs. This will help you through that. But the fact is that it may not always be the safest choice to follow Jesus, but it is always the best choice, and he is good. And so just catch up on that from last week. Um, the Lord's doing something really special, and I, I kind of want to do this in a different way today. Um, we have a, a theme here um, at Fire Life. We say God is in us for us, and what's the rest? He's upon us for others. Would you all say that with me? He's in me for me, but he's on me for others. And like this isn't just a, a cute catchphrase or a slogan or a vision statement or anything like that. It's literally what we're building our church around. Everything we do going forward, everything we've been doing to this point has been trying to make this the central theme. Like we should be alive because he's in us. Because he's in me for me and I should come alive. If the king of kings, if the, if the man whose name is the resurrection and the life lives in me, I should be resurrected and have life. Like I shouldn't be dead I shouldn't be in the tombs and carrying around grave clothes. I should be alive and resurrected, fully alive, because resurrection and life lives inside of me. Amen? And if he's in me for me, then he should also be on me for other people. And we say this all the time, but it's not a cute slogan. And, and the Lord showed me something this week, and I'm going to take a, a journey to a specific place at the end. But I want to start here. So in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 25. Now, John 14, 15, 16 is where Jesus is talking about. He's laying the groundwork of this person of the Holy Spirit, the helper. Like Shagun talked about last week, the paraclete, the one who, comes, who was sent to walk beside us. Jesus is beginning to tell his disciples, hey, I'm about to leave. I've told you all this before. You didn't fully understand, but the time is coming really close where I'm about to leave you guys. 
but you want me to leave. They're like, no, we don't. Yes, you really want me to leave. And they're like, no, we don't want you to leave. He's, you really want me to leave. Because if I don't leave, then he can't come. And so this is the whole chapter here. I would encourage you to spend time in this as well. Um, John 14, 15, and 16. It's to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and why he was sent to us. And here, Jesus is talking about the peace that comes with the Holy Spirit. So it's John 14, verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, come on, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everyone say all things. So he's going to teach us all things. And I love this next part. Jesus probably taught them a lot of things. How many think that they probably got a lot of crash courses and sermons and teachings from Jesus? Not just public ones, but private ones. They probably even got pulled to the side a few times and taught some things from Jesus, right? And in three and a half years of ministry, they saw and heard a lot of amazing things. And it would be easy for them to say, wait, you're going to leave? I'm going to forget everything you told me. I can't even remember it all now when you're here. At least I can, I say, hey, can you go back and remind me? Hey, hey, Jesus, like Siri, hey, Jesus, what was that you said that one time? And he can pull it back. But you leave, and I can't have access to that anymore. And he's like, oh, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you. He's going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've said to you. Every secret thing, every little thing we said all this time, he is going to bring it to your memory. He's going to remind you. Come on. And he says, this is peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give you peace that doesn't leave, right? He says, let your heart not be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back. If you loved me, you would rejoice <laughs> because I said I'm going to my father. and My father is greater than me, than I. I'm bad English by me. And now I've told you before it comes that when that day does come to pass, you may believe that I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me uh, commandments, so do, I, so do I give to you. Arise and let us go from here. And you feel like that's the end because the Bible's written with chapters, and it's like we get to the end of chapter 14. All oh, my reading's done for today, and we miss the, the point. Because in John 15, he tells the point of this. So he's sending the Holy Spirit not just to, to comfort, not just to give you peace, not just to help you in, in times of crisis, but also to remind you of everything that, that Jesus taught. And then also, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, Jesus says. My father is the what? The vine dresser. My father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes it. If you're bearing fruit, what happens? You get pruned. And that's the good news, right? If you're doing well in life, if you're doing well in this Christian life and you're bearing good fruit, guess what will happen? The Father will prune. He will cut on us because he wants us to be even more fruitful, right? I, I prune you so that you bear much fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me. Everyone say abide in me. Mm -hmm. and he says and i and you as the branch jesus speaking of himself as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit 
For without me, you can do what? Everyone say nothing. I cannot do anything without God. There's that remembering my need for God at all times. Even when I'm doing well, I can't do this without God. When I'm suffering, I can't do this without God. When everyone's praising me, I can't do this without God. I can't do anything without him. And he even brings it up here. If anyone does not abide in me, he's ca- he casts out the branches, withered, and they will gather them and throw them into the fire, and they will be burned. But if you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, what does he say? You will ask whatever you desire, and it will what? Be done for you. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. But this, my Father, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove that you're my disciples. And we say amen to that. And Father, we ask you to speak to us. Here's the point. Holy Spirit comes inside of us to remind us of who Jesus is, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us gifts. All those things are true. But he also comes to live inside of us because he wants to connect us to the vine and to the vine dresser because we're supposed to bear much fruit. Whose job is it for me to bear fruit? Actually, it's not. It's the vine dresser's job to make me produce fruit. It's my job to surrender and abide but he bears the fruit. Think about that for a moment. Like, apart from him, I can do nothing. So I can't bear fruit unless I abide in him. And when I abide in him, the fruit isn't my fruit. It comes from the vine, which goes connected to the Father. Am I, y'all understanding this? So any good we do in life, any fruit that we bear in life, that is good. He's in us for us. It's our benefit, right? But it still didn't come from us. It came from him. It all comes from him. And we're supposed to be alive. And the Holy Spirit's supposed to connect us into this intimate relationship with the vine and the vine dresser where we become fruitful. We bear fruit. We're pruned. We're being alive because the vine dresser has connected himself and we have connected ourselves to him. We will bear fruit. Amen? But it's God's work in us producing the fruit. It is not us on our own. And so what does this have to do with today? If he's only in us for us, like how many people feel like you've grown in the Lord at all? You just can say, yeah, I feel like I'm growing in the Lord. I, I, am, I am seeing fruit in my life. Thank you. If you're not seeing fruit in your life, connect to him. Yeah. Abide in him and you will bear fruit. You're like, well, I don't see the fruit. Ask him to see what he's doing. Ask him to give you his eyes. Because sometimes fruit looks differently to him than it does to us. Sometimes the word success replaces fruitfulness. Sometimes we measure our lives, our families, our businesses, our occupation, whatever it is, by, by the world's measurement of fruitfulness, which is success. The kingdom does not measure fruitfulness by success. The kingdom measures fruitfulness by obedience. And that's Mother Teresa, one of the greatest quotes ever. My wife quotes it all the time. God never called us to be successful. He called us to be obedient. Period. And would you say Mother Teresa was successful? I'd say so. Very successful. Amazing fruit in her life from the world's perspective. Like she was a humanitarian. Amazing, right? But she even knew it only comes through her obedience, which means I abide in him and he abides in me. The point is, if we say at Fire Life, he's in me for me, I should bear fruit. But I want it to be his fruit, not the fruit that I think I should have. And sometimes it's very easy because we get competitive. 
And there's this orphan spirit that creeps in sometimes, and I'm going to get more into that in a moment. But sometimes the orphan spirit comes in, and it and it's disguises itself as comparison. And we begin to compare our life with someone else's life, our income with someone else's income, our job with someone else's job, our house, our yard, our family. Well, my kids act crazy, and their kids act good, or, or you know, whatever it is. Like, we, we begin to do this comparison thing, and it is such a trap. And it is, you cannot abide in God and compare to other people. Are you all okay? It's this orphan thing that comes in and causes us to get our eyes off of the fruit he's wanting to produce in our life. And we start looking at other people's fruit and other people's success. And we're like, oh, I like that fruit. I like that gift. I like what they're experiencing. We don't know what they paid, what price they paid. And all the pain and all the difficult times that you and I go through in life produces the fruit in us that he wants to produce. You have a different journey than anyone else in the room. You, you, you can be even be married to someone in this room, and you still have a different journey with God than your spouse does. It's very similar in a lot of ways, but it's your personal experience with God. And, and the things that you've experienced in life produces different fruit than your spouse's fruit. Sometimes your fruit goes together, right? But sometimes it's completely separate, and we cannot compare ourselves. Are you okay? If he's abiding in us and we begin to see this fruit in our lives, it's fun. How many have ever gone through a season or a long season where you're like, man, this is a fruitful season. Like, everything's going really well. Anyone? Like, man, this is awesome. Everything's going well. Everything is awesome. It's like all the good stuff is going on. And it's, it's almost like we want to stop there, right? Like, well, let's not, let's not do anything different. Don't breathe. All right. It's like when I'm watching a sporting event. Like, where was I when they scored that touchdown? I need to stand on that spot. Like these weird, uh, I know, I'm telling them myself. Like these weird things that we, that we do, right? Like, oh, I was leaning this way when they got a hit. All right. Anyway, we try not to mess things up because, man, things are going really well. And here's the problem. When we live like he's in us for us and we just stop there, we miss out on co-laboring with God. We miss out on this whole other thing. We get very selfish. And when Jesus talked to his disciples and he said, hey, I want you to look out to the fields. Look at the harvest. You see it? He's like, don't say in three months and six months and nine months or a year. Don't say in the future comes the harvest. I say the fields are ready right now. Like they were trying to, like they're saying, well, they're not ready to receive your message. They're not ready for you. How many of you have ever been around someone? You're like, well, they're just not ready for the Lord. Baloney. Everyone is one encounter with Jesus away from being ready. Don't say in the future they're ready for the heart. The harvest is ready or they're ready for the Lord. He's like, pray. Don't pray for the harvest. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send what? Harvesters. Workers laborers, co-laborers to come into the kingdom. He says, the fields are ready right now. And then he prophesies and says, at one point, those who are reaping are going to overtake those who are sowing seed and plowing. The harvest is so ready. It's plentiful. It's ready right now. So we get in church, and this is where I wanted to go today. We get in church, and over a long time, we get very happy with our Christianity. We thank God. Oh, you're in me for me. Oh, it's for me. Thank you. And we love that. We stop there. And we miss the co-laboring part where we have a job to do now. 
and we miss the personal responsibility side of this. Like, up until this point, what did you and I do to attain eternal salvation? Like, nothing. Like, we believed. Done. Finished. We are right with Jesus now. We believe he's the son of God. We ask him to be the Lord of our life, and it's done. Well, that didn't take a whole lot. There's more to the kingdom than just that. The kingdom is also the co-laboring, which is you will be my witnesses. Jesus is leaving. He says, hey, you need to go get the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't get the Holy Spirit, then, then, then he's just going to be in you for you. And you're going to miss out on this whole beautiful co-laboring thing the kingdom message is. He's like, Jesus always talked about this. You, you miss it if you don't look at it through this lens. But he always talked through the scripture about him co-laboring with the Father. Always. Oh, I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I don't do these things on my own. I do it with the Father. The Father through me doing this thing. Constantly telling them about this co-laboring thing. When the disciples ask him, hey, how do we pray? He says, pray our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you know the rest. He says, your kingdom come. Your will be done. He's like, ask him. Co-labor with him. And you and I can get really sold out on this. He's in me for me thing. But it will spoil our life. It will spoil our life. We'll become spoiled little brats. Because we're missing out on the part where we join with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit and we work with them for the kingdom. Amen? John 16, verses 12 through 15 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, you don't have a platform or a structure to hold what I want to tell you yet. However, I love it, however, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Again, here we go. For he will not speak of his own authority. He's speaking of co-laboring again. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. And he will glorify me. <laughs> for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. How do we get what is Jesus's? The Holy Spirit declares it to us. There's a co-labor thing that goes on and he speaks it into us. All things that the Father has are mine. There's the co-partnership, the co-worker thing with Jesus and the Father. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He's inviting us into a partnership. When we say he's in me for me, we have to continue that. And say he's on me for others. We have to have him upon us for other people. I was, I was talking with someone yesterday. I was, they were asking about our church and, and some things. And I, and I began to try to just simply explain that. Well, we're Pentecostal. But not like long skirts and no makeup and buns. and <laughs> like Not that. Not like what your mind goes to. Not snakes in the church and, and, and all that stuff. Like, whatever, people hear Pentecostal, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're Amish. No, I'm not. We're not Amish. We're really not, you know. We just really love Jesus, and our worship is expressive. And we believe that, that God sent Jesus to the earth, and then Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit to us, and he lives in us for our benefit. It's for our benefit. But we also believe that he's on us for other people's benefit. And like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. It really makes a lot of sense. And so I was thinking, that's how, we, that's how we have to live our life. We have to explain this message like that. He's in me for me. 
Like, it's okay to really go all out for the he's in me for me. As long as we go all out, well, now he's on me for others. Like, I have to, ha- have to be a conduit. Because if it stays inside of me, it will die here. It just will. And everyone in this room, you have been equipped to do good works for Jesus. Before the foundations of the world, you were set aside. You were set apart. You were consecrated. The word used today, you were consecrated. You were set apart from the beginning of the foundations of the world to do good works in Christ Jesus. You were. I was. All of us. Amen? But we can go this way too, where it's all about he's on me for other people. And we miss out on the personal side of it for us. You're like, well, how could, how could we do that? Well, how many have ever heard of the book called God's Generals? I know that a few people have read it. These, these are stories of great men and women of God who saw ridiculous signs and wonders, miracles, dead people raised from the dead, uh, people raised from the dead, dead people raised from the dead. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, healings, miracles, crazy things happened. And then some of these these people walked away from God late in their life. They, they, they lost their way. They quit walking with Jesus at some point. And you're like, how can you go through that and see those things and quit walking? with? And it goes back to what we talked about last week. We don't follow Jesus because we saw the signs and the wonders. We follow him because we've tasted for, for ourselves and seen that he's good. What can happen is as a Christian, we can learn that, that Holy Spirit has given us gifts, and we, be, we can begin to operate in those gifts, and after time, begin to trust in those gifts and those talents and those abilities, and, and it can pull us away from our personal connection to Jesus. You're like, that's impossible. It's the scariest verse in the Bible. Hey, God, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We raised the dead. We cleansed lepers. We did all these things in your name. He's like, yeah, you did, but you didn't know me. And I never knew you. It can happen. You can go to the extreme on both sides of this. You're like, well, how, how, how could I fall into that? And here's how. It's the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit on the first one can cause us to become jealous of people's giftings and compare ourselves to other people. And the orphan spirit on this side, here's what it looks like. I'm going to paint you a picture. Some of us grew up with fathers who were not fun at home, but they were really generous and kind everywhere else. You're like, man, everyone really likes dad. And then at home, he's not fun to be around. I read a story recently of a man who, who, who his, his dad was abusive, who was an alcoholic, he was angry and frustrated all the time, and he'd never understood why, why we get this dad. And everyone else loves dad. So one day he snuck and hid in his car, and, he, and his dad went to play, uh, I don't remember what sport, volleyball or something, some sport with his buddies. And he walked in, and the, kid, the, kids, the dad sees the kid and goes, oh, what are you doing? He's like, all right, you can come on in. You can come with me. He comes in, and he watches his dad in a whole different atmosphere, and guess his dad was fun. His dad was kind. All the people loved him. He was sweet to all the people in the room, everyone there. He was kind to them. But then when they get home, dad's a terror. And he says, what that did was it created an orphan spirit inside of me. And this is what I'm talking about. God will do nice things for everyone out there. He's kind and generous to all these people. And I can even help be nice and kind to all these people because God's kind to them. But it doesn't apply to me. 
Because the God that I see looks like my father who was really kind out there, but man, I didn't get the kindness at home. And what it does is it can build up an orphan spirit where sometimes we will have bad boundaries and we'll be so helpful to everyone out here that's not in our inner circle and we don't do it in our home. And, and you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. But you have a bad perspective of the Father. This orphan spirit has crept in. And what it does is it feels really good to serve everyone out here, and then I let my hair down when I get home. And we all can do it. I mean, man, I can do it. Like, huh, I don't want to yell at my kids at the level I yell at them at home, right? You know, there's this thing that happens, and God's not like that. And what that can do over time is it can cause me to be so kind and generous to everyone. Oh, God is good. Oh, he loves you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, have, I've seen it. And then these, these ministers I talked about in, in God's generals, they would do this and see all these people saved, healed, delivered. And then they would go and be with the prostitute and get drunk and do drugs in their hotel room after because, you know, God couldn't personally be like that with us. Like, that's what's happening. And it's an orphan spirit that manifests itself on both sides of he's in me for me. Oh, man, I'm really jealous of what they have. Oh, I like their walk. I like their fruit. It's the orphan spirit that does that. But then on this other side, he's on me for others. Oh, the orphan spirit causes me to be really good to the world and really kind to the person at the cash registry and, and the waiter, the waitress and all that. But, man, I sure am not fun on the way to church. Like that, that orphan spirit has to be broken. It has to be broken. God is not two-faced. Could you say that? God is not two-faced. Let's, let's change it. My heavenly Father is not two-faced. See, we have to have him in us for us. We have to have him on us for others. But it all comes from the same source. He's the vine. We're the branches, and if we're connected to the vine, if we abide in him, then we're going to be great on either side of this message. We're going to be alive and on, uh, on fire at the same time because he's the center of our life. He's the focus. He's the root. Amen? Today, I, I, I would love for us to joyfully accept God's call to co-labor with him and to break the orphan spirit. Like I really do. I pray that that's, that story unlocked some things in me when I read it. And I, I pray that that story of that, of that young man's dad would unlock you. Stop putting your earthly father's face on God's face. Even if you have a great earthly father, God is exceedingly beyond that, beyond what we could even imagine. And he's not angry with us. You know, there's something I've been teaching Levi, because how many knows it's okay to be angry? The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. It says when you're angry, don't sin, right? And it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. So you can get angry. There are some things worth getting angry about. And, and so there, there was a, a couple of weeks ago, um, Levi did something and completely disobeyed me. And I was like, Levi, I'm angry right now with what you just did. And he hates it. He's like, oh, don't be mad. Don't be mad. 
I'm sorry. He's so sweet. Like, some, sometimes I come home, and he starts confessing when I walk in the door. It's yeah, unreal. I'm like, dude, what do you think about me? Like, I'm not, I'm not this crazy guy. And uh, I said, Levi, I need you to listen to me, okay, buddy? He's, he just turned four. I said, mad is okay, but mad always goes away. I said, sad is okay. It's okay to get sad, but sad goes away. And so now he says it with me. He's like, it's okay, daddy. Mad goes away. Sad goes away. I'm like, that's right, because they're temporary emotions that we go through. We experience them, and then they're supposed to move on, right? But some of us didn't see that growing up. And some of us put that on God, and we think he's angry with us because we've sinned or we've messed up. And we're like, he came home, and we're ready to confess everything right when he walks in the door. And he's like, I just want to hug you. Like, I say that to him sometimes. Like, I just got home. Levi, come here. I don't care what you did today. I don't care if you got in trouble with mama. I, don't, I just want to love on you. Kiss me. And I think some of us do that with God. Like, oh, hey, God, yeah, I did this thing. I did. And we make everything about our sin and everything about what we failed at and what we messed up at. And we miss that this is a relationship, father-son, father-daughter. He just, like, hey, I, I want you just to climb up in my lap. Let me love on you. And I will love on you so much that you'll stop all that other stuff. You won't even think about it. My love will cover your sin. My love will cause your life to be shifted and transformed. And that's the father that we live with. That's the thing we're connected to. He's calling us into a partnership. He's calling us into an intimate relationship, not with fruitfulness, with, with him. Not with giftings and talents and power and authority, but in an intimate walk with Jesus. That's what he's calling us to. And when we learn that and we find that and make that the center of our life, you're the vine, I'm the branches. I abide in you. What? I messed up. You said I'm already clean because of the words you've spoken into me. So God, wash me again. Come on. Wash me with your word. The Bible says he cleanses us with the washing of his word. So this is the relationship. And when we do this, when we abide, oh, you're in me for me. I start seeing fruit in my life. I start seeing the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance. They're all there. They begin to manifest. I don't do anything to, like, I want to be more peaceful. The only way for those things to manifest is to come through the vine. So then, then. Not only do I have the fruit manifest, now then the power comes on me. He's on me for others. You have the gifts of faith, prophecy, working of miracles, signs and wonders. Yeah, come on. You speak in other people's tongues. You don't know their language. You can talk to them. Like that stuff happens. And it all comes from the same place. And I, I just want you to know he's a good father. We're not orphans. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came as the spirit of adoption. Everyone say adoption. Why don't you stand? Stand with me. Say that again. He's the spirit of adoption. So we are not orphans. We've not been left in an orphanage, passed over by parents after parents after parents. We have been adopted by Jesus Christ, by the Father and the Son, and we've been brought into their family, right? And when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, that spirit of adoption cries out, Daddy, Father. Everyone say that. Daddy, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. God, today I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would live inside of us for us, and that you would rest upon us for others. Come on. God, I know 
this week you told me that the orphan spirit needs to be healed. And so right now in this room, I ask that you would heal. He's not, listen to me, please listen, look at me real quick. He's not going to break the orphan spirit. He's going to heal your heart from an orphan spirit. See, sometimes he comes in and he just breaks something. Sometimes he comes in gently and pulls us really close and loves us and heals our orphan heart. It's not going to be a breakthrough deliverance. It's going to be a love deliverance today. He's going to wrap his arms around you as a real father. And he's going to remove that orphan spirit from your heart. So, Father, you are good. You actually said your name is love. Your God is love. Hmm. What does love look like? It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't seek its own. It's not selfish. It's not rude. It's not perverse. It's slow to anger. Anger goes away. Sad goes away. God, I ask that you will come down and heal our orphan heart. Anyone in this room, anyone on the podcast, anyone on Facebook, right now, God, that is struggling with this orphan heart, and they didn't, maybe they didn't even know it. Maybe today was the first time it clicked in that way. I ask that you would bring them so close now. The way you heal us is you bring us close. It's like Shagun opened the service with. You bring us close. <laughs> way to book in the service, God. You bring us close. Yes, Lord. Father, bring us close. If you're in this room right now, just release to him that orphan heart. You're not an orphan anymore. You have been adopted as a son or daughter. You have full rights as a son. Ooh, you're not a step stepson, a stepdaughter. You have been grafted in through the spirit of adoption, and you have full rights. He doesn't love the perfect sons that you see, the perfect daughters that you see. He doesn't love them more than he loves you. Now, Father, anyone that's lived years with this orphan heart, we've got a lot of bad habits. We've got a lot of fight or flight mechanisms clicking in our life. God, right now, I ask that you rewire us. We will not be conformed to the patterns of the world. We will be transformed right now by the renewing of our minds. We do not have the mind of an orphan anymore. We have the mind of a son or daughter. Rewire us. Change our default systems. Change our operating systems. Update our operating system. The old one did not serve us well. Self-preservation, hiding, serving ourselves, pushing people away, that did not serve us well. Pushing you away as a father did not serve us well. We accept you. We accept you as father. Daddy, perfect in all your ways. Just. Merciful. And guess what, everyone? He's for you. He's on your team. And he wants you to, to succeed with flying colors. 
Whew. He wants you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. He has good plans for you. Not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future and a destiny and inheritance. So, Father, heal us from the orphan heart and begin to take us on a new journey where we see the world as sons and daughters. Give us new eyes right now. Would you just put your hands over your eyes and ask God to give you new eyes? Give me new eyes. Let me see what you see, God. Change my paradigm, the way I see the world. Change my glasses. Change how I receive experiences in life. Last thing on this, you do not have to protect yourself. You do not have to provide for yourself. An orphan always thinks, I have to protect and I have to provide. No one else is going to do this for me. No one else is going to help me out. I'm on my own. I'm a survivor. Sometimes an orphan says, I'm a survivor. That's That's the cry of an orphan. I'm a survivor. I can make it anywhere. I can handle this. No, we can't. We need the Father. We can do nothing apart from Him. You are not an orphan. You do not have to provide for yourself. You do not have to protect yourself. You don't have to keep yourself safe. He will do that for you. His name is Abba, Father. Daddy. Daddy. And it's okay to view him that way. It's not sacrilegious. It doesn't take away from his holiness. (laughs) He's Father. He's Daddy. Don't try to save your life or you'll lose it surrender amen it's all about surrendering to him now i want to pray for the other part real quick of co-laboring god has called us to co-labor you're like i don't know what i don't know what that means like we're just supposed to ask him what would you what do you want me to do god and usually he's going to say well i planted you somewhere so do really well where you are (laughs) grow where you are grow where you're planted You don't like your job? You're there for now. Be the best you can be. God, what can I do to shift the atmosphere? What can I do to bring something different to the equation? Co-labor with him. Ask him. I bet some of us, it's been a long time since we asked him, hey God, what do you want me to do? He loves it when we ask him. He doesn't get offended. He's not like us when our kids are like, why dad? Because I'm the dad. I said so. He doesn't get that way with us. He loves when we ask him. Like it makes him happy. Like, oh, they really want to know. They really care. So, God, I ask that you would make the people in this room and the people listening or watching right now, sign us up to be harvesters. Sign us up to be co-laborers. <laughs> Sons and daughters who have been touched by the presence of God, who have him in us for us and on us for others. Stir up giftings inside of us. Begin to stir up fruit in our lives, God. Fruit for the benefit of other people. Mm. All right, I have to say one more thing. Many of us have spiritual gifts that we shut off when we're in the marketplace or at work or outside church. 
Like there are gifts. Like, man, we hear God's voice. We have pro- prophetic words. Like, and, and it does, it's not all the time. It's supposed to be all the time. It's supposed to be all the time. I, I've noticed this about me. When I'm around all the parents and the stuff on the soccer team, they know I'm a pastor, but I turn off my, I take my pastor hat off. Because I, I just want to, I don't, I don't want y'all to think of me like, I just, just want to be Matthias' dad for today. And I miss out on a lot of opportunities. Usually what I do when I go to the games, I do the, um, well, I have a term for it, I won't say, but I put the headphones in my ear, ears, so that everyone knows, just stay away. Don't talk to me today. I'm listening to whatever I want. I don't want to talk. And yesterday the Lord had me forget my earbuds. I went to the soccer game. I was like, oh, man, now i got to talk to people. <laughs> and, and that opened the conversation that about we're fire life. And he's in us for us. He's on us for us. Like, I wouldn't have had that conversation. And so my point is, this is for me. This is for all of us. Don't turn off the gift that he's put inside of you. Don't water it down. Amen? It's for everywhere. It's not just for church. So God, I ask that you would ignite the gifts in us. We will not turn them off. (laughs) We don't control the volume of the gift. We don't control the power to it. You do. So turn the power on and leave it on, God. Everywhere we go, make us people who are witnesses of Jesus Christ. Everyone say amen to that. If you want prayer, if you need prayer, if you're sick, don't leave sick. If you're in pain, don't leave in pain. There's a daddy here who wants to meet all of your needs today. Someone will meet you here at the front. We want to pray for you. We bless you. Lester Joe, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. God would do something really special. God would bless your family. And your children, your children's children, thousand generations, come on. We bless you. You need prayer, meet us at the front. Thanks for being here. We love you.